Today is 29 May. That means this will be the last uh, weekend of May before we head into the summer months. And uh, it's already really hot in Sarasota, Florida, but it's also very quiet compared to what it's been over the past four or five months. So we're thankful for that, except it's Memorial Day. So I got to tell you, it was really packed out on the, the beaches for the past couple of days. And I'm sure today and tomorrow will be the same. But I'm Charlie Garrett, and this is the CG Prophecy Report. Imagine the compliance. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, let's see here. We have, uh, I'll remind you again, I did this last week and the the people that started to subscribe went way up. Um, We have a new service that we do. It's called The CG Report. So you can just go to T-H-E-C-G-R-E-P-O-R-T dot com. If you type in just CG Report, it's going to take you to something else and it'll ask you to hit a link and it'll take you to Rumble where Rumble is the video. And that's not what we have. We have the Rumble videos, but we also have the CG Report news site. And so it's uh, uh, just news that gets updated twice a day. And I would hope that you would go there and check out your daily news, actually twice a day, and uh, then recommend it to other people. I have not enjoyed anything other than the Bible and the church itself as much as I have doing this in a long time. It's just like therapy for me because I'm reading these terrible articles all day long to get information for the news report, and it's just, everything is just bad. But then I can make it fun by putting in a little title before it. You know, I give a little blurb before the article title, and uh, it's usually something poking at somebody. So I like that. Anyway, the what? Not you. Not me. No, never happened. Okay, so I've got a couple uh, people to recognize. One of them is not here. He will probably be here before the end of the uh, service, but um, uh, it's Tony. He came from Canada. He's been here many times. He hasn't been here for a couple years, but he did uh, decide to uh, show up this year. He stays right down the road from where I am, and we become friends. And uh, then we also have Mike, who has been here now for his fourth time, and he has... um, driven all the way from South Carolina just to be here for the final Deuteronomy sermon. So he's been following the sermons for years and years, and he wanted to be here personally for that. And so what I did is I took Tony and Mike to the gun range so that they could shoot guns. And of course, I did two incredibly stupid things. One of them is a gun that doesn't have a sight, which I didn't know this. You can't use that gun at, that, at the uh, gun range. Some gun ranges you can because my son has taken that and used it. But anyway, so we had a gun that we couldn't use. And then I had two more. I was going to have three guns so we could kind of share them around. Uh, One of them I forgot bullets for. So I only had the five bullets in it, and that was it. And uh, so we had to share just the Glock. And so, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time there. And I have to apologize again to you for that because it was supposed to be this long afternoon of having fun, and it was a short afternoon of having fun. So there you go. Um, But I want to especially thank Mike for coming down. He's spent the uh, time with me at the house, and we've been doing all kinds of fun things together. And uh, yesterday, we did something I haven't done in years, as we drove all the way through Lido Key and Longboat Key. And, oh, it's so beautiful. It's just it's pretty, you know. And then we came back down 41 and 301 and uh, ended up back at home where we had Mexican food. Man, was that good. So thank you for making this effort. And he'll be leaving right after church. So make sure you give him a big hug before he takes off. Okay. 
Let's see here. Our uh, first article today is from Israel News, and that's from the Times of Israel. Israel says it foiled Iranian operation to lure Israelis abroad and possibly nab them. The Shin Bet security agency said it uncovered an attempt by Iranian operatives to lure Israeli academics, business people, and former defense officials abroad in an effort to kidnap or otherwise harm them. So what they're doing is they're fishing for people, the Iranians, so that they can get them and kill them or, you know, use them as leverage against Israel. The agency has warned in the past that Iran has attempted to lure Israelis abroad. It is a well-known method of operation of the Iranian intel and security bodies, headed by the intel organization of the Revolutionary Guards, the Quds Force, which is their overseas force, and the Ministry of Intelligence. The agency said the operatives used spoof emails, pretending to be academics, journalists, businessmen, and philanthropists, The operatives attempted to gather information about the Israelis and possibly lure them abroad with the intention of kidnapping or harming them. A number of targets were duped and nearly went abroad. In some of the cases, the operatives invited the potential victims to a conference in Europe using email addresses similar to official institutes and with their logos. Once establishing an initial connection, conversations would continue over WhatsApp. The Shin Bet said, in another case, the operatives pretended to be the assistant of a Russian billionaire named Nikolai, and there's a lot of Jews that came from Russia, so if they can work this out, then they have already got them convinced. They contacted Israelis of Russian descent and attempted to convince them to meet them abroad. And so this is something Israel has to be careful with. And I would say that this is something that people in general have to be careful with, is people are luring you for all kinds of things. I never would have thought of luring somebody to, you know, kidnap or whatever, you know, these pedophiles do with children. But I wouldn't have thought of it with business people and people that just, you know, you may support Israel and they decide they want to make you an example. Man, be wary. From the Times of Israel, Australian Prime Minister concedes defeat, ending party's nine-year rule. He was a firm backer of Israel. Uh, You know, he kind of did it to himself. He allowed the country to be locked down for so long, and uh, he just, he ruined his chances at keeping Australia as a Israel-friendly country, is what I'm trying to say. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison admitted defeat in national elections after a difficult night for his conservative government. Morrison acted quickly after the election despite millions of votes yet to be counted because an Australian Prime Minister must attend a Tokyo summit with the U.S., Japanese, and Indian leaders. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese, I guess is how you pronounce it, will be sworn in as Prime Minister after his Labor Party clinched its first electoral win since 2007. The party was last in power in 2013 when it led a minority government. Morrison, who heads the Liberal Party, was considered a good friend of Israel, heading one of a handful of governments to somewhat follow President Trump's lead on Jerusalem recognizing the western side of the city as Israel's capital. Also during his tenure, the Australian government listed all of the Iranian-backed Lebanese, Hezbollah, and Gaza Strip-based Hamas as terror groups. At the time, Foreign Minister Lapid said that Australia is a close friend of Israel in the fight against global terrorism. Albanese in the past has described himself as a strong advocate of justice for Palestinians. So there's this big change all of a sudden in Australia and has said he is very critical of a lot of Israel's policies. 
sad news, but that's the way it's going in the world, from MSN. Israel negotiating gas exports to Europe. We've been talking about this and they're doing it again. This could be a problem with relations with Russia. It could be, you know, something that brings Russia down against them, or it could be something that comes along later. There are all kinds of things going on, but Israel and the European Union have been in negotiations for the past month to export gas to Europe via Egypt. Now, does anybody know why they would do it via Egypt? They don't have their own liquefying facility. They can only send gas. Egypt can liquefy it and then send it to Europe because they don't have a pipeline at this time. So that's what's going on here. Okay, the, and now you won't forget that because I asked. All right, if I just read over it, then you'd be like, next time, what's he talking about? The EU and Israeli working groups launched talks days after Energy Minister El Harar told the Jerusalem Post last month that Israel will take full advantage of the opportunity in the energy market offered by European sanctions on Russia over the invasion of Ukraine. Cairo and Jerusalem signed an agreement in November to create a framework for transferring Israeli gas to Egypt. Once the Russian-Ukraine war began in February, El Harar and her Egyptian counterpart, Tariq El Mola, discussed how they could work together to fill some of the gaps left in the European energy market by sanctions on Russian gas. Egypt has two gas liquefaction facilities and is able to export gas to Europe, where they have the facilities to turn it back into gas. El Harar further discussed the matter with the EU Commissioner for Energy, Kadri Simpson, at the IEA's conference in Paris in March, and later met with the EC's vice president, who officially asked for Israel's help to get through the energy crisis. So the EU is officially involved in this. Talks between the EU and Israel toward a framework agreement for transferring gas officially began in late April. It will not only cover the current Ukraine crisis, but will allow Israel to provide Europe with gas in the longer term. So that's good news for Israel, but it could be a sore spot with Russia and some other people. So we'll see. We have some news concerning Christianity here. Okay, I've got two things to tell you before I get into that, though. The first one is that uh, I've made an appeal for this person a couple times over the past month is um, Dennis in the Philippines, who has had some very bad health problems, and they've acquired some great bills, and um, he died last night. And so because Dennis has died, his wife now has all of those bills. And she has more bills because she has to go through the funeral as well. So if you want to help a missionary who has passed on, uh, let me know and I can tell you how to get money to her to help out with that. Uh, it's uh, no small amount. I think it's, I don't remember exactly, but I think it's somewhere around $4,000 that she owed before he died. So, uh, and in the Philippines, that's a lot of money. I can tell you, I've been there and that's a lot. Um, okay, so the second thing is Deanna Carr. She emailed me a few days ago, which means that this is passe, but it's still wonderful. She is one sermon away from finishing Leviticus. So far, she's watched all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Esther, Ruth, and she has been keeping up with the Deuteronomy sermons every Sunday. So that means that Deanna is now going to finish the book of Deuteronomy because today we are finishing the book of Deuteronomy. Yes, this is after a... He said that it has been exactly... Two years, two months, and two weeks since we started Deuteronomy. So that's kind of curious there. And it was kind of curious that this morning, my morning Bible reading, because I bought a new Bible a while ago and I've been reading it, it showed up at Deuteronomy 34, the last chapter of Deuteronomy. So it kind of fit with my morning uh, activities and today's sermon. Okay, 
from the uh, Christian Times. Southern Baptists refused to act on abuse despite secret list of pastors. We've been talking about this. This has now been let out in the open this past week. And then just, I think it was last night, might have been sometime yesterday, but they released after a lot of people asking for it the 700 names of these pervert pastors. So here we go with the article. A third-party investigation looked into abuse responses by the executive committee of the SBC. Armed with a secret list of more than 700 abusive pastors, Southern Baptist leaders chose to protect the denomination from lawsuits rather than protect the people in their churches from further abuse. Survivors, advocates, and some Southern Baptists themselves spent more than 15 years calling for ways to keep sexual predators from moving quietly from one flock to another. The men who control the executive committee, which runs day-to-day operations of the SBC, knew the scope of the problem. But working closely with their lawyers, they maligned the people who wanted to do something about abuse and repeatedly rejected pleas for help and reform. Now imagine this, a major denomination hiding this, and they're calling themselves pious Baptist Christians, and they're hiding all of these people, all because of the sake of money and power. Behind the curtain, the lawyers were advising to say nothing and to do nothing, even when the callers were identifying predators still in SBC pulpits. They're just moving them like the Catholic Church has been doing for years and years. The investigation center's responsibility on members of the EC staff and their attorneys, and says the hundreds of elected EC trustees were largely kept in the dark. EC General Counsel Augie Boto and longtime attorney Jim Gunter advised the past three EC presidents, Ronnie Floyd, Frank Page, and Morris Chapman, that taking action on abuse would pose a risk to SBC liability and polity, leading the presidents to challenge proposed abuse reforms. As renewed calls for action emerged with the Church 2 and SBC 2 movements, Bodo referred to advocacy for abuse survivors as a satanic scheme to completely distract us from evangelism. That was their excuse. Call these people that have been abused a satanic scheme. Survivors in turn described the soul-crushing effects of not only their abuse, but the stonewalling, insulting responses from leaders at the EC for 15-plus years. So uh, we have a missionary that was with the SBC for many years, and she bailed this past year because of their unbelievably pathetic policies that they had been uh, mandating on the missionaries. And so she's sitting here in this church right now, and she's uh, free of those constraints. But I tell you what, if I had known this, what was going on, I would have been talking about it almost every week until they let it out. They finally let it out. But I personally hope that this costs them a great, great deal. When you harm people like that in a church, you deserve to have your denomination shut down. And I hope it harms them, and I hope that the people that are in those churches will find churches that will support an ideology that will never allow something like this to happen. Whether it's an independent church or whether it's a part of a denomination, nobody should tolerate this, ever. All right, from Breitbart. Anti-woke views allegedly see black conservative blocked from the priesthood. This is over in the UK. There's a guy, anybody know GB News over in the UK? It's one of their news services. I cite them often here or on the CG Report. And uh, there's a black guy that is a commentator on there, and he wants to be a priest. And because he's a conservative, they don't want him. 
a well-known black conservative in the UK has allegedly had his path to the British priesthood blocked over his anti-woke views. In other words, he believes in normal thinking and not all this perversion they're promoting in the COE, and they don't want him. A black man in the UK who is well-known for his opposition to progressive dogma has allegedly been denied being ordained a priest within the COE over his political views. Having risen to prominence in Britain for criticizing the BLM movement, oh, you can't have that even if you're black, and claiming that the UK gave everyone an equal opportunity to succeed, that's what he's saying. That's what people here in America say. Oh, everybody has the same opportunity to succeed, and all of a sudden you're an outcast. That's what he's doing. GB News' Calvin Robinson has since gained a substantial following on social media and a position as a TV host and a pundit. I love this guy. He's got this afro that's like this big. He's just, he's this fun guy, and he just says, this is wrong, what's going on in the world. It's like, you know, Ben Carson or uh, what's the guy that um, is running in Georgia right now for the Senate, um, the old football Herschel player? Walker. Herschel Walker, thank you. You know, and then they get chastised because you can't think unlike us or you're not us. Anyway, however, this frame appears like it may have cost him the priesthood. With Robinson now alleging that his anti-woke views have resulted in senior members of the extremely progressive Church of England blocking him from being ordained. This claim is backed up by a number of internal COE emails that Robinson gained access to through a subject access request, which showed senior officials discussing whether to ordain the man over his right-leaning viewpoints. Tell me what that has to do with Jesus, right? Calvin's comments concern me about denying institutional racism in this country. He's as black as any black guy in the country. He has a right to say what he says. I just don't understand this thinking. Read one email seemingly sent by a senior bishop within the church, while another alleges that there were complaints made to the Bishop of London saying that Robinson should be refused ordination. The Telegraph also notes that Robinson's view that women should not be ordained as priests, while a mainstay belief within Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches, forget them. It doesn't matter what their mainstay is. This is the mainstay right here. All that other stuff doesn't matter. This is what matters, is in conflict with the practices of the Church of England, because the Church of England has gone apostate, which ordained its first woman in 1994 in violation of Scripture. Some news from the Mideast in Africa today from GB News. There you go, GB News. Rwanda migrant flights. We've been talking about it. They approved it. They're going to start the first flights leaving. Of course, what happens delayed following legal challenge by charities and civil service unions. So they're on hold. Can't send people out of your country that don't belong in your country in the UK. Sounds like U.S. Uh, talking about the U.S. Memorial Day. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. Al Arabiya, women TV presenters, this is Afghanistan, <laughs> defy the Taliban and they're ordered to cover their faces on air. I wonder how long that lasts before a couple of them get suicided or whatever and it'll be over. Okay, I don't think that'll last very long, but I'm actually proud of people being willing to stand up for that. Times of Israel, IDF, Soleimani's son-in-law. Soleimani's the guy that got blown up by the Israelis a year or two ago. His son-in-law using civilian flights to smuggle weapons to Hezbollah. The son-in-law of assassinated IRGC Quds Force Commander Soleimani is smuggling weapons from Iran to its Lebanese proxy Hezbollah using civilian flights via Syria. The IDF said, 
warning that the practice endangers civilians at Damascus Airport. In a series of tweets, the IDF's Arab language spokesman, Avichai Adrei, detailed the operation, which he said is overseen by Sayyid Reza Hashim Safi Adin, who is married to the daughter of Soleimani who was killed in a U.S. drone strike in 2020. I said Israel. It is. It's U.S. drone strike. Syed is the son of Hashim Safi Aden, head of Hezbollah's executive council and touted by some in the terror group as a potential heir to its current leader, Hasran Nasrallah. As part of his role, Hashim Safi Aden monitors Hezbollah's activities with the Shiite population, communicates with prominent figures in Lebanon, and oversees media relations. During his time there, he coordinates the smuggling of advanced weaponry to the terror group using the infrastructure, resources, and a network of activists he heads. Adrei accused Iran and Hezbollah of endangering civilians by smuggling the armaments via civilian flights to Damascus International Airport in order to maintain secrecy. The Hezbollah terrorist organization exploits the state of Lebanon and its citizens for terrorism that serve Iranian interests, he said, adding that it will continue to monitor the terror group's attempts to undermine the security of the state of Israel and will act as necessary for the security of the state of Israel and its citizens. So we'll see where that goes, but they know they're doing this, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see some warehouse down at the airport explode like happened a couple years ago, but... Who knows? From The Guardian, Revolutionary Guard Colonel killed by motorbike gunman in Tehran. You may have heard of this. Unidentified gunmen on a motorbike have killed a senior member of Iran's powerful Revolutionary Guard outside of his home in Tehran. The Corps gave only scant detail about the killing, which occurred in broad daylight in the heart of the Iranian capital, but blamed it on a global arrogance, typically code for U.S. and Israel. The accusation in the style of the attack raised the possibility of a link with other motorbike killings previously attributed to Israel, such as those targeting the country's nuclear scientists. Two assailants shot Colonel Hassan Syed Kodayari five times in his unarmored Iranian-made vehicle just off a highly secure street that is home to Iran's parliament, state media said. Reports identified Kodayari as only a defender of the shrine, a reference to fighters against Islamic State in Syria and Iraq from the Revolutionary Guard's elite Quds Force that oversees foreign operations. Little information was publicly available about Kodiari, but Quds officers tend to carry out secretive military missions supporting Hezbollah, the Lebanese militant group and political party, and militias in Syria, Iraq, and elsewhere. But they're pretty sure that the Israelis were behind that. Okay, now something interesting from Mongolia. From KFTV, Hollywood. Yes, Hollywood Project Godsend to film in Mongolia at the end of 2023. Hollywood and Mongolian producers are combining to shoot a Genghis Khan epic, Godsend, entirely in Mongolia starting in winter 2023. Godsend is being run by experienced L.A. producer Wendy Cram, Somebody named Jai Liata, I guess is how you say it, Jai, G, whatever, is writing the script, which is set in 13th century Mongolia and tells the story of a geopolitical conflict where unlikely partnerships bridge a cultural, ideological, and personal difference. 
This is a major coup for Mongolia, who will have local investors and talent involved in the project and comes off the back of the country, introducing a potential 45% cash rebate in January this year. We're really excited that Godsend will be filming here. Since announcing the incentive, we have had a lot of interest from international producers and have a couple of Korean projects to shoot in Mongolia as well. So there you go. We're going to have Hollywood of the Far East pretty soon. Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times. So what's up with that? From the South China Morning Post, Chinese scientists work on hypersonic missile that can hit a moving car. I think there would be a, a beneficial use for this. I mean, it, it takes a lot of technology. I got to tell you what, to have a hypersonic, something that's going thousands of miles an hour hit one car, but they're working on it and they think they've got it figured out. Um, it's going to be a little too late for what I'm thinking of, but um, China is developing a heat-seeking hypersonic weapon that will be able to hit a moving car at five times the speed of sound, according to scientists involved in the project. The research team, led by Yang Xiaogang from the PLA Rocket Force University of Engineering in Xi'an, said important progress had been made towards solving the main problem of how to pinpoint a moving target at extreme speeds. Yang and his colleagues from the university's College of Missile Engineering have been given a deadline of 2025 to come up with solutions to the seemingly intractable challenges of hypersonic technology from CNBC. MasterCard launches tech that lets you pay with your face or hand in stores. This is now open to you in many places. MasterCard launched a program that allows retailers to offer biometric payment methods like facial recognition and fingerprint scanning. Users can authenticate a payment by showing their face or the palm of their hand instead of swiping their card. The technology could one day help with the development of payments, infrastructure for the metaverse, and executive said. So there you are. We are right on the cusp of Daniel 12 technology where the mark of the beast matches up with that from the book of Revelation. We're very close to that. Okay, it's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation prophesies of. Let's see how that's developing. From Zero Hedge, imagine the compliance... Pfizer CEO pitches Davos elites on Wi-Fi microchip pills. Pfizer CEO Albert Borla may have forgotten he was on camera this week as he dazzled the audience at the WEF in Davos with fantasies of ingestible computer chips that signal authorities when a drug has been digested. It is a basically a biological chip that is in the tablet. And once we take the tablet and dissolve into the stomach, it sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that. The compliance. The insurance companies know that the medicine patients should take, they take them. Reactions to Borla's dystopian pitch were about what one would expect though Pfizer's defenders chimed in claiming it could be used in specific conditions such as schizophrenia and cancers to assure compliance. The Hill's Kim Iverson tweeted in a response to Borla, repeat after me, I shall never scoff at the so-called conspiracy theorists again. I will listen and remain open-minded that perhaps what they're saying is actually happening. World of compliance there, folks, from the Gateway Pundit. 
Wuhan lab was experimenting with monkeypox last year, and they published research report in International Journal in February. Truth for Health Foundation. Monkeypox was a tabletop simulation only last year. Elite media outlets around the world are on red alert over the world's first ever global outbreak of monkeypox in May 2022. Just one year after an international biosecurity conference in Munich held a simulation of a global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox beginning in mid-May 2022. Monkeypox was first identified in 1958, but there's never been a global monkeypox outbreak outside of Africa until now. In the exact week of the exact month predicted by the biosecurity folks in their pandemic simulation, epidemiologists Jennifer Nuzzo and Bill Hanagi are on the scene, but still no word from them as to whether they see anything strange about the first ever global monkeypox outbreak occurring in mid-May 2022, a year after they acted as advisors on an international biosecurity simulation of a global monkeypox outbreak occurring in mid-May 2022. The U.S. government is hot on the scene with an order of 13 million monkeypox vaccine doses from Bavarian Nordic. The World Health Organization is on the scene. The global monkeypox outbreak occurring on the exact timeline predicted by a biosecurity simulation of global monkeypox outbreak a year prior bears a striking resemblance to the outbreak of COVID-19 just months after event 201, a simulation of a coronavirus pandemic almost exactly like COVID-19. Event 201 was hosted in October 2019, just two months before the coronavirus was first revealed in Wuhan by the Gates Foundation, the WEF, Bloomberg, and Johns Hopkins. As with the event 201, the participants at the monkeypox simulation have thus far been stone silent as to their having participated in a pandemic simulation, the facts of which happened to come true in real life just months later. So there you go. I leave it up to you. I'll let you decide. Okay, from the expose. United States DOD issued a contract, and they've got the documents that you can go and look at this online, for COVID-19 research in Ukraine three months before COVID-19 officially existed. Okay, morality is declining. Here's some news on that. From Fox News, at least 135 teachers, aides, charged with child sex crimes this year alone. Georgia Star News, school board director to host queer youth event at Sex Shop for All Ages. A Washington State school board director is set to host a queer youth open mic night at a sex store for children aged 0 to 18 on June 1st. Jen Mason, who sits on the board of directors of Bellingham Public Schools, owns the shop Wink Wink Boutique, according to the store's website, which is set to host the event. The Queer Youth Open Mic Night Facebook page invites queer youth of all ages to share poetry, music, or a story, according to the event's Facebook page. And they're allowing this. From the Gateway Pundit, psychotherapist who conducts transgender therapy encourages teens to distrust their bigoted, misinformed parents, especially if they're religious. Rachel Simon, a Jew, 
A licensed psychotherapist in Philadelphia who conducts transgender therapy says she encourages teenagers. This is why I tell you, if you have children out there in the world, unless you have told them about Jesus in advance, this is what they're facing all over the world all day long. She encourages teenagers to distrust their bigoted parents, especially if they are religious. Rachel Simon tells minor teens to disobey their Christian parents and turn away from God's ways. You can't compete against it if you haven't defended against it in advance. Gateway Pundit, male high school teacher writes about how good it feels to wear women's to school and coming out as non-binary to his students. He says these things to his students during class. And they allow it. Some other news from around the world. I know that's depressing even hearing that, but I want you to know because some of you have children or grandchildren that are going to be facing this. I've got to tell you personally, years ago, I would not allow our children to go to the public school. We had nothing and we worked very hard to keep them going to a private school because of what I perceived was a deficiency in education, not a deficiency in brains, just in education. Now they have to face this. If you can homeschool or if you can find a private school, work for it. If you have to, borrow for it. Yes. I would, I, I'm telling you, I, it's depressing even reading these things, but I want people to be aware of what's going on in this world. Okay, we got some other news from around the world, and as I say each week, and as uh, Deanna did, Deanna Carr, please be sure to check out the Superior Word sermons. You'll get a lot more out of the Word of God than you ever will watching these updates. Okay, from Breitbart. Biden releases 118,000 border crossers into U.S. in April last month, exceeding the population of his own hometown. From TPM, Biden's border crisis, half a million migrants crossed the U.S. border in 10 weeks. American faith, border patrol dealing with huge groups, heat-related deaths, drownings in the Del Rio sector. Every one of those people should be able to appeal against Biden for the loss of their people because he's allowing them to come. This is murder from the White House of the United States of America. Murder. Breitbart. Warning shot. DeSantis plans to use funds. He's already got it planned. Now, we talked about this before, but now it is in the motion. Plans to use funds to bus illegal immigrants dumped in Florida to Biden's Delaware. Not just Washington, D.C. He's going to take them to Delaware. I love our governor. New York Post. Audit finds half of Joe Biden's Twitter followers are fake. Mail Online. University of <laughs> Illinois, Chicago wants to ban the word obesity because focusing on body size is rooted in racism. <laughs> racism? I, I officially proclaim that racism is dead. Okay, from Breitbart. London Council claimed three-month-old babies are racially biased. Breitbart. WAPO suggests black Americans who, tired of U.S. hostility, consider relocating to Ghana. Now, who is the racist now when the Washington Post recommends that black people get out of America? Right? Who's the racist now? Military. Unless they all move. Unless the whole bunch of them move along with the people they're recommending move. I see that as a racist move. Military.com. Army considers allowing soldiers to change base or state if unhappy about local laws on gender, racism, or abortion. The Army, the divided states of America, the U.S. Army. It's a way to get out of a bad 
that, yeah, it's a good way to get out of bad duty location. And guess what? Nobody will be in any of those places. I'll have to shut those bases down or decide who is and who isn't racist all of a sudden. The divided states of America from the Politico. Biden's Cuba and Venezuela policy shifts leave Florida Democrats dismayed. They don't care because they lost Florida. They won't win it again. And so they don't care. And they're completely abandoning their Democrat base. The moves are the latest indication that the Biden administration is not interested in attracting the Hispanic South Florida voters he hemorrhaged in 2020 election. They couldn't care. All they care about is right now, the destruction that they can wield on this nation right now. Epic Times. Florida boosts its economy with 57,000 more jobs in April. Florida added another 57,000 jobs to its workforce. DeSantis said the April Florida jobs report showed that the state had added 30,000 people to its labor force. The nation as a whole lost 363,000 people from the workforce. Our unemployment rate has been lower than the national average for 17 consecutive months. A press release from the governor's office said Florida's April 2022 unemployment rate was 3% or 309,000 people. That is slightly down from the previous month and is lower than the national rate of 3.6%. The governor said Florida has had 24 consecutive months of private job growth and that sector's growth has exceeded the nation's for over a year. DeSantis said he blames the Biden admin for indulging in a series of policy errors. I would say they were policy on targets. This is what they want that have damaged the economy and made life more difficult for the average American and the average Floridian. We had to just, you know, we're kind of covered by uh, ocean anyway. Just dig a ditch right at the Georgia border and say, if you want to join us, come on down. But we don't need you. We'll just separate ourselves from the U.S. I mean, it's just unbelievable. We got a great governor. It's a great state. Lots of sunshine. Got Charlie Garrett. (laughs) Okay, let's see here. From RCP, despite rising crime, nation's capital is at forefront of cities pushing leniency. Okay, Washington, D.C. is like the highest crime in the nation because it's not really a city on its own, so they don't count it with all the others that are killing, like Chicago, okay? And they're still going to make the laws less and less over the next year. Listen to this. Under a new criminal code being considered, which means it's going to be approved by the D.C. City Council, an adult accused of sexual activity with a minor could avoid culpability if found to have reasonably believed the child's claim at the time to have reached the age of consent. So she's 15 and she says, well, yeah, I'm 17 or whatever the age is. It's okay. You can Nobody's going to question it anymore. Okay, so the proposed rewrite of the D.C. criminal code would affect how the nation's capital treats everything from murder to indecent exposure, from robbery to panhandling. For example, it eliminates accomplice liability for felony murder, the legal principle that holds conspirators responsible if a killing is committed in the course of a crime. Currently, the wheelman waiting around the corner while his friend robs a bodega doesn't have to pull a trigger or even be armed to be prosecuted for felony murder if the clerk is killed. That's the way it should be. The underlying concept of shared liability is an important tool for law enforcement. This is especially true when a group or gang is involved, especially if it is not clear which specific member was responsible for a killing. The change could lead to the possibility that a gang rape 
perpetuated by two or more individuals that resulted in the victim's death may result in no liability for murder, as it may not be possible to determine which defendant committed the lethal act. The newly proposed code would drop the language about incitement altogether, a change that would make it harder for authorities to hold those who promote rioting responsible. Currently, the mandatory minimum for those who commit premeditated murder, first-degree murder, is 30 years in prison. The minimum punishment for committing a crime of violence while armed with a firearm is five years behind bars. In the newly proposed code, there are no mandatory minimums at all. First-degree murder, you could get one-year sentence, be out in three months, and do it again. Fox. Philadelphia businesses closing left and right over increase in shoplifting. Very dangerous, it says. Epic Times. Prosecutors say California policy reforms favor criminal suspects over victims. Epic Times. White House economic advisor plays down recession, says economy is in a period of transition. That's true. It's this kind of a transition. Breitbart. Half of European buyers of Russian energy have opened ruble accounts. That's not good news. CNN, something a little different here. Indian couple sue only son for not giving them grandchildren. Yes, a couple in India are suing their son and daughter-in-law for not giving them grandchildren after six years of marriage. They live in Haridwar, a city in northern, I can't pronounce it, state, filed a petition this month seeking 50 million Indian rupees, which is about $643,000 in damages from their son, 35, and his wife, 31. Yeah, we'll see. If that goes through, I'm on that. Okay. Who said it? Now, I will tell you in advance that nobody here will get this, and that's fine. I just want to get you to know who said it. So, I'll ask you anyway. Who said it? Studying God's Word is like an intel-gathering reconnaissance mission, which takes you on a divine adventure. You won't know it, but I'm going to tell you. His name is Trent Arganti, and he is a member of the Superior Word Church. He's watching right now online. And I thought that was the best quote That was wonderful. I'll read it again. Studying God's word is like an intel gathering reconnaissance mission, which takes you on a divine adventure. Please get out of Prophecy Updates. Watch two a week. Me and John Holler. You can add in J.D. Farrag if you want. Make it three. That's all you're allowed. Start watching sermons in a church that preaches the Bible. Preferably this one, but please do that. Okay. He is right. Wonderful quote. Okay. Got a lesterick here for you. I'd like you to See if you can figure out who he's writing about. This is one lousy couple. Indeed. Two words. Indeed. Son will not bother planting some seed. All of six years have passed. Mom and dad are aghast. Now they court both their children in greed. And court is in quotes if you get it. Okay. We have a bit of irony here for you today. I entitled this, Oops. Okay, from the Superior Word News Service. If you didn't see it, George Bush was talking about illegal invading of nations. And he said, the invasion of Iraq, I mean, Ukraine. And if you look at his face, it was pained. Yeah. Okay. Um, From Fox News. Democrat Representative 
Betty, B-E-A-T-T-Y, Betty, whatever, blames white supremacy for Dallas Korean hair salon shooting. But the suspect is black. Yes, such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG Prophecy Report for the week.